Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, that, I'm doing a honestly, my mood's quite a bit picked up. I was so, I was, I, I, I admit, between the uh, the staleness of the pandemic and the owners losing two in a row, like dominated by Montreal. By that Montreal. Montreal team impressed the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was a little in a funk a little bit um, on the weekend, but that really picked up my spirits, that win tonight. Bruce, a 3-1 win in Toronto over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Always a sweet thing to happen, Bruce. And because it's a big victory for the Oilers, we're going we're gonna to have uh, our usual two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. We're going to have two good things each. We're going to celebrate. It's a bit of a reach, but uh, I think we can find two, two each. There might be some overlap. I, but, uh. I thought it was a pretty darn good performance by the Oilers, <laughs> honestly. Like, they, they had nine great we, – we, of course, count grade A chances, and we had nine grade A chances for the Oilers and just four for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And their goal did not come on a grade A chance. It came on oh, a grade B chance that the goalie should have had, and there's no real excuse for it, but we'll get into that in a second. So, Bruce, let's start off with your first good thing. Yeah, well, my first thought, I'm just going to say, this is one of those nights where you, you're going to want to take the two points and get the heck out of Dodge, except for now the owners have to stay, stick around Dodge for two more days, <laughs> try to steal two more points day after tomorrow. But uh, we'll take that. That's that's what they call a good road win, right? You don't want to subject your home fans to uh, hockey that's... Uh, that's quite as uh, scrappy as that, but it was a very scrappy effort by the Oilers. So uh, uh, credit where due. Let's uh, let's um, uh, let's give them some credit. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked quite a few things about that game. I, I'm going to single out Adam Larson as a player, uh, as one who was uh, he was uh, pretty solid in the defensive zone, and he came up with some. Uh, 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 some key five shot blocks and uh, he had a monster last shift of the game. I didn't look it up, but I'm sure he came on with like just over two minutes to go in the third period and he stayed on and threw the empty net goal and then there was a timeout and they put him back out there and then in the last minute he was just a monster blocking shots, clearing the zone, getting in the way of everybody and just being that thwart of a defenseman that you like to have somewhere in your lineup. You know, the guy that's really hard to go around or through or over, uh, just in the way, you know, not necessarily a high skilled guy, but he's able to get a stick on the puck and he's able to disrupt. He ticked that one pass where Jason Spezza somehow missed the <laughs> wide, wide, wide open. Yeah. Because yeah. Larson had tipped the pass and, and Spezza just sort of, popped off the very toe of his stick and it somehow found this little crevice between Koskinen and the post and went right out through and out the other side. That seemed like a tying goal with like a minute 20 to go. But anyway, he was, uh, uh, he was paying the price and he was doing the kind of job that you'd like to see from Larson, you know, uh, okay with the puck and, and just a, a rock on the defensive side of things. Bruce, he, he learned in New Jersey his nasty uh, defensive habits from Scott Stevens, 
I recall uh, Larson saying once. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's good that he's on the team to teach, pass on some of these habits to Bear, Jones, Bouchard, and the younger Oilers defenseman because um, he does play a really nasty game. I also, I was also thinking like, like I was, you know, we're, as we're watching the game, because we know we're going to do this, I'm thinking, could he be my good thing? And every time that popped in my head, he did make a turnover. So there was a couple, there was a couple flubs with the pucks, with the puck okay. that Adam Larson did make. But uh, that said, his, his, the number of battles that he won, his strong positional play, Bruce, he hasn't, I don't think he's made a, a, a major mistake on a grade A chance against since the first game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I can disastrous actually disastrous first game. Disastrous. Well, two disastrous plays that were enough of a wake up call for him, fortunately, mm-hmm. which we'll forget down the long down the road if he continues to play like this. This is the Adam Larson that that we saw in the last a couple months of the last season before the playoffs, who who was really playing his best hockey as an order. And I and I it's funny because I notice on Twitter a lot of people are um negative about Adam Larson right now. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the first, those two opening day gaffes yeah. are just so, they're just, people have yet to get over that. That's a real possibility. But I've seen a very solid player. He was the first Oilers defenseman, if you ask me, Bruce, to turn around the, his defensive game. And gradually, one after another, we're seeing the other ones. I mean, Cuckoo's been good most of the year defensively. But um, but he's not as good. He does. He's not like Adam Larson, that kind of presence, like that bone crusher kind of guy. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm all in with you on Adam Larson being a good thing. My good I like thing him is as, I like him Go as ahead. a pairing. Uh, Cuckoo and Larson. I thought Cuckoo looked really solid tonight. And uh, Larson, you know, he was on the ice for uh, uh, almost 15 minutes at five on five, and Toronto only had four shots in that span. And uh, he was um, uh, and. He was also the order's leading ice time on the penalty kill, which was successful two for two. So, you know, his job of defending his own net was uh, pretty well accomplished. So credit to him in a game where uh, defense largely reigned, and yet somehow the three stars went to three offensive centers. Uh, I think let's single out uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the workhorses on the back end for that performance. Uh, yeah, so I just looked at our scoring chance. Uh, running count tally for the year, all five games. Now he, his only two mistakes, uh, major mistakes on a great A chance against all year were on those two ugly goals. So he, that okay. they made a big impression on me, you and everybody else. But he, listen, we're not, we're not looking to make any player look good or look bad. We're just trying to reflect the game right. in these numbers. And if Larson had 20 mistakes, we would have marked him down, but we're not seeing them. So, um, Take it for you can take it for what it's worth. We think there's value in it, so that's why we do it. Bruce, mm. my my good thing is Adam Larson's play at the end of the game. Excuse me, Darnell Nurse's play at the end of the game. So Nurse, let me just do Nurse's numbers. Whereas Larson's made just two major mistakes on grade A chances against it even strength all year. Nurse's made twelve in total, but he had probably as he had his best defensive game of the year quite easily. And his play uh, when the Leafs had the extra man with about a minute left um, leading up to Archibald's goal was just spectacular. It was it, he he did everything right on it. The, the puck goes in the corner and the first thing he did was he used his body to block the four checker so the four checker couldn't get to it first. He sealed off the four checker. Then he went and he and he won the puck in the corner. And the old nurse, I swear, Bruce, I swear, even the old nurse from two games ago would have thrown that puck away, would have fired that puck up the boards one way or another too quickly and given the puck away. But he held the puck, he protected the puck, 
And mm-hmm. he made a play passing it to Connor McDavid, who made no mistake putting it on Archibald. And one, one of the rarest things that we've seen in recent order history, someone actually scored an empty net goal from center ice that is an order player. But it all started. None of that good stuff happens without Darnell Nurse just mm-hmm. really making a veteran play. And he's got to be he's got to make those plays this year. He's just he just has to. He is ready to make them. And I don't. And hopefully, it's just a matter of settling down, settling down, because he was trending towards being that defenseman last year. I would say, mm-hmm. wasn't that defenseman in the playoffs? He wasn't in the first no, four games of the year. But well, the there we saw it. Two games he was okay, but um, tonight we saw more of the upside. Saw some good offensive plays from Darnell, and a similar play at the attacking blue line where he just flat out won a puck battle held the puck for a split second and slipped it through to uh, either break in into the slot. And I, I don't think it was a great A that resulted, but it was, a, you know, a decent d- decent possession. And just more, you know, a little bit more subtle. And, and if there's one game, his game, one thing his game has lacked over the years, it's subtlety. And uh, he, uh, uh, he could do to add some of it, you know. And... Uh, it's nice to, nice to see those, you know, little delays and then, the, you know, the soft pass into the right space. And I basically did the same thing like that, as you describe on the empty net goal, where he protected the puck, held it till the right time, and then made a gentle pass to the right place that enabled the, the clearance. So I was a little worried at the start of the game, Bruce, because like it, the, the game starts, I just noticed these two little things. Nurse gave the puck away. He was behind his net and he fired it around the boards, gave away the puck easily. Like just one of those plays that he makes, he's got to cut out of the game. And then and then Dry Settle stayed out too long on a shift, and I'm thinking, oh, this here we go again. You know, this is these bad habits that have yet to be cured are coming back, but they obviously uh, uh, got their got their legs under them. What is your second good thing? Oh, I'm going to default to the game-winning goal in the third period, the power play goal. That was long, long, long overdue after three long games without a power play goal, despite many chances and a couple goals against, and a whole lot of buggering around in the neutral zone, trying and failing to get the puck in, establishing possession. Just We saw quite a bit of that again tonight, frankly, including on that power play, which basically was spinning its wheels for 100 seconds. I'm trying to remember when they scored. Relatively. Yeah, it was pretty late. Penalty was at 7.31, the goal was at 9.12, 101 seconds. And it was only like the last 10 seconds that they kind of got it together. But like we used to say in the 80s, you know, that Euler power play was 100 seconds of garbage and 10 seconds of Gretzky, right? And, yeah, <laughs> notice it doesn't add up to two minutes because the puck was in before the power play was over. It was one, it was one of those. And it was, uh, it was one of those. And it was, um, but... Good to see it was a real nice connection of the Oilers' uh, um, three-star forwards, scoring star forwards, and Yesapuli Arby doing some good work in the low slot, camping out in front, puck bounced off him, went to dry saddle, dry saddle was going towards the net and buried the shot upstairs. It was just that half chance, and, and Leon, who's, as I mentioned in the broadcast, he went four games at the end of last season without a goal, and four more to start this season. That's a long drought for him, so... But if you're going to score your first of the season, the power play game winner in the third period to break open a 1-1 tie in Toronto, it's a pretty good way to do it. So, yeah. And he did it by you know going to the net and jumping on the puck, and it was the exact kind of play I was describing in today's game day about how the Oilers need to generate more goals by going towards the net without the puck 
and being ready to jump on the chance when it came. And sure enough, so very happy to see uh, Leon score. I liked his game. I liked his defensive game tonight. I liked his hustle on the back check. I liked his uh, defensive stick. I thought uh, Leon had a lot going on in this game, frankly. He did. That, and, you know, it's funny. That was kind of a Dave Tippett win, eh? I think one of the things so upsetting <laughs> about the Oilers against Chicago and early in the year was, um, like, the Oilers are losing, but they're not losing the way a Dave Tippett team loses mm-hmm. or wins. And the Dave Tippett teams, like, just would take the life out of the game. And <laughs> that's what the Oilers did tonight. Like, they played a Tippett game, and... Okay. First, I did not mind it in the least. They're probably not too happy in Toronto right now, but uh, we we had to watch that game for years. <laughs> so my Arizona, my, they win over and over again. You know, our friend uh, Murdoch Davis, uh, the former publisher of the journal that lives in the eastern states now, editor, editor, yeah, yeah editor, yeah, okay. Uh, he was the um, you would know. He was uh, he's a diehard Oilers fan, called a hockey fan, but he uh, was unable to watch this game due to blackout. So he inquired us. Uh, how the game was going, and I said, "This, you know, Murdoch. Some some hockey games are like painting a Rembrandt, and this one's like painting the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a pretty sight." Well, that segues into my other good thing, Bruce, because it was the fourth line that stood out to me. You mm-hmm. know, not, not anything fancy, but the Oilers finally have a truly functional line where all the parts work together, and the sum of the parts is greater. Greater than the whole is that the expression? The the sum of the parts is the greater, is than, greater the, than the sum of the sum parts. of the parts. Yeah, I had it backwards. That's exactly it. So you have players, Devon Shore, um, Josh uh, Archibald, and Alex Chason. In some ways, they're all kind of marginal NHL players. I mean, Shore and Archibald ended up on the Oilers after pretty much uh, no one wanted them and. Chase, all three of them, right? Chase yeah. was on a PTO. He was. So it's the PTO line, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and first, they had a hell of a game. They 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 were consistently outworking the Leafs. They, they were just were. They, they were all over them. Go ahead, you just, busting yeah, their asses out there. All three <laughs> of those guys were given. Yeah. Archibald, yeah. I think he had six hits. He really crunched Joe Thornton with a hit. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, but hustling around, he got rewarded with a goal in the end. And Devin Shore, this is by far the best he's looked to me. And, he, you know, just flying around out there and, and you know, giving it whatever he had. Like, he's, you know, he's a fourth-line grinder. And, what you know, you're not going to expect a whole lot of, you know, dazzling plays or anything. But uh, a good, strong effort from him. And Alex Chason, that was, to me, easily the best he's looked all season so far. Good on the power play and good on the, uh, uh, good on that fourth line. And, it's so uh, he, vi- it's sorry so he vital was on to have for one him. shot against two Alex Chase on it. Chase on was yeah. yeah so vital to have that line you can send out there it's not one of your top two lines it can actually put some energy for your team into the game get some zone mm-hmm. time in the other team's end forecheck win battles and it's if this line keeps playing like this Bruce sure sure it could it could be the third line very oh. quickly because the third line yeah, I think it probably was the third line tonight and the Oilers. Uh, purported third line of Nigard, uh, Turris, and Pugliarvi. Um still still aren't getting it done, but we'll get to that in just just a second. But this that line, I mean, Shore could be your third line center before before too long if he keeps playing like that. He's very fast, mm-hmm. uh, fast-ish, I should say, and um, I like that about him. And he's got some skill. He keeps hustling like that. Is he ever hustling? 
Mm-hmm. And you get a fast player who hustles, who's got some size. He can be a he can be a fourth line NHL on a, on a team. So good for Devin Shore. He's really impressed me. Yeah, the only time that I sort of looked askance at him was with about a minute and 20 or 25 to go, just before the Oilers got the empty net goal. And he took this huge run at a Toronto guy coming through the neutral zone. And I thought, I was so close that he could have tripped him and got a, and then they'd be two men short for 80 seconds, you know, and it sort of seemed kamikaze and almost unnecessary. But in the end, he got away with it. They didn't call anything and he kind of disrupted the play, but... That was the only time, and it wasn't for any kind of lack of effort. I mean, he was he was pell mell for the puck. It was the whole thing. So it's uh, we it's might get hard to be too critical. We might get one of those a game from Shore, like the last game I think it was, where he came back so hard on the back check to back check the player that he didn't he need out. to back check and wiped out Koskinen on the goal. So like again, total effort. He was hustling as hard as anyone can hustle in hockey, but he was out. He didn't make the right decision, and it and it cost his team in that regard. Uh, I think we're on to bad things, Bruce. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, a little bit puck management from the Oilers. A uh, um, couple of times they made life difficult on themselves. First period penalty kill when first uh, Nugent Hopkins, then Archibald, uh, had a clear chance to clear the zone and they just bobbled the puck. Same thing happened to uh, Joachim Niegaard after a long shift where he had the puck, but he just couldn't do anything with it and coughed it up in his own end. But the king of the... Of the uh, Poor puck management tonight had to be Zach Cassian, uh, who did have some good plays in this game. Like, it's not all bad about Cassian. I thought he was actually starting to to come alive and get into the game more in the third period. But his puck management, uh, there was a play late in the second. It was kind of a turning point. It was one nothing, with about four minutes left in the second. And Cassian came up over the blue line with the puck with a, sort of a three on two for the Oilers. If, you know, two good passes were made, they would have had a good shot. But there wasn't even one good pass made. Kostian coughed it up and all of a sudden the Leafs were jailbreaking the other way. And they got the puck into the Oilers zone. They had about a minute of pressure that ended in a penalty on the Oilers and two more minutes of pressure after that. And all because of, you know, to me, the, you know, the mistake that caused all the subsequent headache was that was a, uh, a poorly managed uh, possession. And then on the one goal by uh, uh, Austin Matthews out of the corner, and, and again, it's more on Mikko Koskinen than it is on Zach Cassian that goal. But the fact was, Cassian went into the corner, seemed to be in good position, and he just got owned by Matthews one-on-one, and he came out with the, with the puck. And then there was still a third one after that where Cassian had the puck behind the Toronto net at the other end of the ice, and made a poor decision, and again, the jailbreak was on, and the pressure was going the other way. And he's uh, his his game's not all there yet. Let's put it that way. Uh, but his uh, I did think he was coming on. He was very unlucky to hit the crossbar on a great two-on-one with uh, McDavid in the late going, and and uh, he was skating okay. And you know, I think he was in the game. And just just a couple of these these. Uh, uh, either poor decisions or poor executions and turnovers in bad spots. That, that's something that the Oilers as a team really want to clean up. And a large part they did for much of this game, but uh, they, they had their moments and Zach had more than anyone else. Cassian did have a moment or two in his own zone where he controlled it rather nicely. And, and instead of just getting rid of it too fast, he he controlled it. And 
understood that he could uh, have some time and space and and took that and made a play. Mm-hmm. So you're right, there was some good there as well. On the on the goal, I mean, just hit Matthews. I mean, th- this is the difference between Nurse and Nurse on the last play of the game, where Nurse first shielded off the player. That's all Cassian had to do. Take some, take the body on Matthews, so he can't. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, even if you he pops the puck off your stick, you've still taken him out of the play. And instead, he just went straight for the puck, and it was just, you know, some. Uh, Craig Simpson said it well. Sometimes the owners are too too aggressive, like they're 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 trying to do it too fast. Mm-hmm. And um, he was right. He showed a good highlight of Nurse in that situation where he got beat by Marner, and it, that was Cassie in there. Just 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 he just rushed to the puck instead of making this thinking and making the right fundamental play. So easy. Hockey happens so fast, of course. It does. Uh, hockey happens fast. So it's really brutal. <laughs> when you're playing it, it's such a brutal game because um, we can pick it apart uh, when we're watching it in slow-mo. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, man, I, I feel sorry. <laughs> I don't feel – they make a lot of money playing this game, but it's not, it's not an easy game at any level. Uh, Bruce, my, my, my bad thing is, is Kyle Turris. Uh, I don't want to be unkind, but has he won a physical puck battle all year long? Um, I'm not – seeing it yet bruce this player um he he has a good reputation he's had success in other cities he's only 31 uh he's at the start of a year where he's been off hockey for a long time so i'll I'll just say that but what we're seeing so far isn't close to enough and he that that line needs him they need him to be the leader on that line Puliarvi is an extremely inconsistent player right now. Um, he's he shows flashes, but he also just shows like, what are you doing out there? And John Shannon mentioned on Oilers now, Puliarvi's got to start taking the body. He definitely does. Like he's got he's got to play the Drew Shore game, you know, Devin Shore game. Excuse me. Get in there on the get in there on the forecheck as fast as you can and hit, hustle, make a play. And he's he does that some of the time, but he's he, he's he can't be carried counted on to carry the puck up the ice at the NHL level right now. Like he's, that's not yet where he's at, unfortunately. And he may never get there, but he, right now he needs to play with a center who's, who's getting it done. And Taurus isn't that close to getting it done. I'm, unfortunately, I'm not seeing a player who's much better than Riley Shea. And honestly, at this point at even strength. So it's still early. He's got lots of time, but he he's got to he Taurus has got to dig in and raise his work rate, and it's kind of a solution for anyone in a slump. But that's what he's in. He's he's not making plays. Make some plays. I, the third member of the line, Nigard, is is okay. He's hustling at least. Um, but they both both Puliyarvi and Nigard need that veteran NHL center to be that player and um, lead that line. Yeah, well, that line, the three of them, uh, Turris, zero shot attempts, Negard, one shot attempt, which was on goal, Puliyarvi, zero shot attempts. And that's, you know, averaging about 10 minutes of even strength ice time for the three of them. And uh, they, at least tonight, they defended okay. They didn't give up much. And in fact, when Turris was out there, the Leafs only had one shot. So it was just, it was, his part of the game was a chunk of the, larger game where everyone seemed to be spinning their wheels <laughs> on both teams 
And so well, there was that one happened. I mean, the whole first two periods were like that, really. There was that one shift, Bruce, where mm-hmm. Matthews, the Matthews line was out there against Torres's mm-hmm. line. Do you remember that shift? So they the only had Cassie one. Campbell looked at in the intermission. I can't. I didn't watch that part, but they. Yeah. I didn't watch the intermission. But they, um, they, you know, they might have been because it was pretty notable because they had the Matthews line out there against the Torres line, and I, and I just after that thing i thought there's no way the orders can can win this game because the coach keith can just put that line out there against Torres's line every time and they're going to eat them alive mm-hmm. didn't seem to happen again though so there was maybe just one shot but there was that was a deadly harrowing moment for an oiler fan because it looked like they were going to score for sure and uh they just somehow avoided it maybe you know maybe they all kind of held their position but i i thought i noticed a little bit of running around between the forwards there as well on that shift so Maybe just the one shot against, but th- that was a scary, scary moment for the Oilers. They all kind of, they were tired. Negard did get a chance to clear it, and he coughed it up, which didn't help. Yeah. And then they kind of held their position in the middle of the ice and collapsed into the, you know, the home plate area a little bit. Yeah. And so Toronto had possession for an uh, uncomfortable level, amount of time, and the guys are pretty gassed, but they really didn't give up at the middle of the ice, so there's that. Fair enough doesn't always have to be pretty, I guess. I'd, I'd be interested to hear Dave Tippett's analysis of that shift. I, I heard Cassie Campbell's, and I found myself nodding in agreement. What did she say? She said, there are times that I wonder, I watch the orders, and I don't know what system they're playing. <laughs> well, I, I thought I noticed tourists wandering. Like, yeah, like, well, like, there seemed to be some confusion. Who's going to cover the slot? Who's going to cover down low? Like, come on, guys. Yeah, well... This is where comment, you know, unfamiliarity. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought her comment was, uh, was on the mark. But uh, you know, Dave Tippett, the, the, you know, the, the guy that's telling them how to, what the system is, he might have a different take on it. But it sure looked like they were chasing, and the Leafs were, uh, uh, were pushing the, the agenda at that point in time. But as you'd expect, I mean. Austin Matthews against Kyle Turris. That's not a real good match for the Oilers. <clears throat> Frankly, the shoreline that got a couple of shifts against uh, Tavares, they did actually pretty good in a in a in a battle against the Tufts. Yeah, they did. I agree. That's why I'm. That's why they're my good thing. Uh, one of the reasons. All right, Bruce, your number. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, one and zero. And one is the number of what we counted. Even strength chances by Toronto in the game. Um, uh, there was a lot of sort of peripheral near the first uh, uh, grade A chances. Frankly, the one we did count was fairly marginal. It was one where uh, where uh, <clears throat> Zach Cassian kind of lost Morgan Riley on a. He was back in position and it was a three on three, but he kind of lost his man and Riley got a decent shot from. Uh, one-time shot from the face-off circle, but that was, you know, it wasn't like a A++++ chance. And otherwise, Toronto got three in a row on that one power play late in the second period. And that was it. We had none none at all in the third period with, uh, you know, they got the goal on a non-chance, and then uh, they just weren't able to generate any more. So. And, and, and then the, the zero is the sixth defenseman. For the Oilers at even strength, none of them was uh, uh, made any mistake on a, on a scoring chance. I mean, we only had the one mistake recorded by Cassian at even strength. So the defense uh, did their did their job on the defensive side of the puck. Pretty amazing, eh? To, to go through a game 
and not have one defenseman make a major mistake on a great a chance against it even strength that's uh, impressive uh, work by the Oilers defense and I think we're going to see certainly we'll see in the next the same defensive uh, pairings and mm-hmm. they work pretty well actually even those little little guys eh? Russell and Barry Bruce say eh? they're not they're not like Joel Edmondson out there but um, they played well I saw Barry better tonight I saw a lot of good plays from Barry and he he wasn't uh, you know he's a, he's a little bit overmatched on the defensive side of the puck, but I didn't get that feeling tonight. You know, like he's he's small and he's not particularly you know a defense robust defensive player at the best of times. But uh, tonight he got the job done, and I thought he was fine. Hey, he's playing for his job too. You know, the, if they lost, one of those right shot demon was coming out, and I don't think it was going to be. That's what the the rumor was. Bouchard was going to go in probably if they had lost and. And it could have been Barry. Like, he could sit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at some point this year. Someone's going to. Bouchard's going to have to play. But maybe we'll see how that develops. They're still sorting it out on the power play. You know, I'm, again, I wrote about this in the game day post this morning. And I saw it two, three, four times in the game tonight where the forwards make the blind pass back to a spot on the point where it would be right on Clefbaum's stick last year. And this year... Tyson Berry, because he's a right shot, which is supposedly an advantage for the Oilers, has to take the play on the backhand, move it over, and, you know, he's not able to make the one-touch pass by Clefbaum. You know how Nuge does that drop pass from the left yeah, boards back to the say point? That, yeah. He kept putting it on the wrong side. And they'll work that out. I mean, this is unfamiliarity, and some of it's just simple physics. you got to play the puck at a different angle to a guy that shoots right than when he shoots left. and They'll gradually work that out, I'm sure. So... Uh, uh, in the meantime, uh, the power play did manage to generate the one big one that won the game. And, uh, uh, you know, it's one game of learning experience where it didn't cost him any points. So this is, uh, this is this is good news. But that's a big play, you know. that I, they, they hadn't done that play at all, Nugent Hopkins, because that was a fairly trademark play. You know, the yes. behind-the-back pass to Clefbaum who moves in and either shoots it or passes it quickly right over. Far circle, it yeah. was a very effective play. It's yes. one of those things that make the power play, you know, it's the the grease that runs the machine. And and that little difference, it turned out to be a split-second difference. It's turning out to be. And until they work those things out, this power play is not going to be as, as effective as it's going to be. Um, so some someone might say, well, what about, like, you only have the one even strength chance. What about that Spezza play, though? He almost scored. And, and this is like, I know this is up for debate. We've looked at this over the years many times and there's a big question should you count shots that miss the net as a scoring chance or not and there's two schools of thought in hockey we've decided uh long ago that we if you don't hit the net you can't score that is not a score by definition in our minds that is not a scoring chance added to that is something that tom rennie told me years ago and he was the one actually convinced me to change my own definition of this he said if you get a great scoring chance and you miss the net it is utterly deflating for your team on the bench, everyone. Guy comes down like that Spezza play, that is utterly defeating. That can be for a team. Maybe not that play so much as like, let's say it's a breakaway where someone misses the net completely. And he said, that you sh- that's, not a, that's not something that's a positive for your team. And, and um, so you, not only can't you score, but there's a, the negative um, vibe to it for the entire team. So... You know, I'm not saying that we're right or wrong because there's no right or wrong on this. You could do it either way, but this is the way we do it. So that's why that Spezza play where he missed the net, 
uh, I mean, if he gets it on net, he scores. Simple as that. But he, he missed the net. He didn't execute, and that's and he failed. Well, Larson tipped the pass going to him. That, that caused him uh, probably yeah. had, was the reason he didn't execute. So it was a defensive play to some degree. I mean, there's all, you're always going to be, as we said while working on this game, it's not just A or B. Sometimes it's splitting the hair between an A- minus and a B-plus chance. But uh, when it comes to shots on net, if, if they are on net or hit the post, we can, we consider that. And otherwise, um, uh, we don't. And, we, and the other school of thought is you could say, well, defensively, the Oilers gave up this chance, even though the other guys missed. But we don't want to credit the Oilers when they miss the net themselves. And then you wind up with an imbalance thing where you're measuring it two different ways at the two different ends. And we certainly don't want that. So years ago, we collectively made the executive decision to uh, not count wide shots as scoring chances. So. Yeah, I think it was myself. That was a good chance, though. <laughs> <laughs> Me, it was an opportunity, right? Like a great opportunity. So it's like, like it's very, it, it's gray. So there, I, I'm mm-hmm. going to say there's no right answer. We had a vote. It was, I think it was actually unanimous because myself, you, and Jonathan Willis, we mm-hmm. we went down all the criteria for the yep. scoring chance. We went way, way through it. We, we had a huge discussion over the phone, and we had a vote. We, we, each measure, I think, was voted on in the end. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was unanimous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe Jonathan was a dissenting vote, but I don't believe so. So I, I he, maybe he'll correct me on that. Um, Bruce, my number is 14 and 6. My numbers are 14 and 6. In the first three games, the owners gave up, on average, 14 grade A scoring chances per game. And in the last two, they've given up 6 per game. So, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence that Chris Russell was inserted into the lineup um, after the third game. If, if I'm not mistaken, it was after the That's third correct. game. That's he correct. he is a master at one thing, and that is thwarting the other team getting off grade A chances in the defensive slot. That's his specialty. That's all he, it's really all, the only thing he's good at, but it's a pretty good thing to be good at in hockey. And he is excellent at it. So Adam Larson's played better. Um, Cuckoo's been good all along. Nurse and Bear finally got it together. But Chris Russell has been a steadying force on that defense. And um, again, I'm glad he's an Edmonton owner. I know not everyone thinks that. And um, he is overpaid, you know, in the last year of his contract. There's there's yeah, no doubt about know. that. But he's still a useful hockey player. He's still an NHL hockey player. and And a solid, solid defensive defenseman. Yeah, well, if you don't like scoring chances as a metric, here's a, here's a different one. In the first three games, the Oilers allowed 12 goals, an average of four per game. In the last two games with Russell in the lineup, they've allowed four goals, an average of two per game. So they cut their goals against in half, in tiny sample size. But they were running around on their own end a lot, and that's been cleaned up somewhat in these last two games. There's still, obviously, work to be done, but uh, uh, but tonight I wasn't panicking that they were going to give up a goal every time Toronto had the puck in <laughs> territory. I not that I ever panic, but you know what I mean. As a fan, you kind of, there are nights where you're, 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 you're uh, not very settled. And tonight I thought, you know, that one goal lead looks pretty good. And then Toronto got it back. And then once the Oilers reestablished the one goal lead, they, they didn't give up a hell of a lot. Like we had Toronto with, like I say, no shots, no, no scoring chance. Um, in the in the entire third period 
Yeah. And it's good to have a player like Russell that you can insert, right? Because so now they have if 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 one of the players falters, mm-hmm. they can play Caleb Jones. Yep. And they know he can at least play in the bottom pairing in the NHL. And they and they can play Evan Bouchard, who I think can play in the bottom pairing. So there is this real competition now. Um for jobs and, and the owner, something we haven't seen before. And maybe we, we've seen a little wee bit of a benefit from that already. Alrighty. Are we any final thoughts or we good to uh, go? Stick around Dodge for two more days and uh, take our chances again uh, next game. But it was crucial. Edmonton had to win at least one of the two games in Toronto. Yeah. And ideally they got one or two more points in the second game, but they had to have one of the game. They had to stop the bleeding on that losing streak and like last season when they cut off a whole bunch of two game losing streaks without ever getting to three that's what happened tonight and this was a this was a bit of what they would call a character win for the Oilers and I thought the team you know did sloppiness but the, the team effort and that was was strong and, and uh, they got the job done probably helps say now because they just have to go back to their hotel rooms and essentially hang out alone for for much of the time I don't know you know they're it's it sounds like a fairly miserable yeah. <laughs> kind of uh Washington unless you like being on your own. If you're a the big four, uh yeah, go ahead. The four Russians on the Washington Capitals yeah. got into serious grief for I think just hanging around together in the same hotel room. Well, imagine you're an, an ultra oh. extrovert like Ovechkin, right? Like he just you just see he lives to to have fun with other people. Like that's his yeah. he, he's loving that. And to, for him to give that up, he's thinking, ah, oh, well, you know, he's whatever, there's COVID probably, but I, I shouldn't put thoughts in his head, but he did breach the rules. And um, so, uh, yeah, I just think that's, that's, that's not, can't be a t- whole ton of fun. I, maybe they just have really long team meals. Like, do they still have team meals? I wonder, or do you have to eat in your room alone too? Probably you do. I eh? don't know. Yeah, just room I have service. to read those protocols. Our friend Original Posar sent us a link to all the protocols, but I haven't had a chance they to go did. through it in detail. But uh, yes, it looked pretty, it looked a lot of pages in there. It wasn't like a four four bullet points. It was a hell of a lot more than that. So maybe they have one big like my son doesn't see anybody. He's a teenager. Maybe, but he's always talking to his friends, playing video games. Mm-hmm. And this has been going on, of course, for fifteen years, where they're all hooked up. <laughs> on the internet playing video games together maybe it's just one big oiler hive on the internet playing some video game that that i don't i'm that i'm completely unaware of (laughs) so anyway bruce thanks for talking tonight yeah thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast